I'd love to read uh, from the book of John, the eighth chapter. This is uh, one of my favorite stories in the scripture. Every now and again, I have somebody ask me, they'll say, what's your favorite Bible verse? And I'll say, it really just kind of depends. You know, it just kind of depends on what's going on in your world and going on in your life. But I love to read the stories, especially the stories that Jesus tells, because often, you know, when he tells these stories, he's getting to a point, and it's just very often it, it brings this gentle rebuke. You know, and this is one of those stories from John the 8th chapter. It says, Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Early in the morning, he returned to the temple. And all the people gathered around him, and he sat and taught them. The legal experts and Pharisees brought a woman caught in adultery. Placing her in the center of the group, they said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of committing adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone women like this. What do you say? They said this to test him because they wanted a reason to bring an accusation against him. Jesus bent down and wrote on the ground with his finger. They continued to question him. So he stood up and replied, Whoever hasn't sinned should throw the first stone. Gosh, isn't that great? <laughs> Just, that's beautiful. And then he bent down again and he wrote on the ground. Those who heard him went away one by one, beginning with the elders. Finally, only Jesus and the woman were left in the middle of the crowd. Jesus stood up and said to her, Woman, where are they? Is there no one to condemn you? She said, No one, sir. Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. Go, and from now on, don't sin anymore. The score is prostitute one, <laughs> Pharisees zero. Isn't this a great story? It's just a great story. I don't know if it's greater because a prostitute found mercy or because the religious uppity-ups who ganged up on her had to tuck their tails and back away. Or maybe it's a great story because one way or another, we've all been that woman. We've all been that prostitute. From time to time, a preacher, I, I mention a preacher friend of mine who's been somewhat of a mentor to me. Tony Campolo has taught me a lot about living out the kind of grace that Jesus lived out. In his book, The Kingdom of God is a Party, Tony tells the story of an experience he had late one night while speaking in Hawaii. Tony is an author, a spiritualist, a preacher, an evangelist, a professor, and a sociologist. And being all of those things, he can be a little long-winded. <laughs> and I say that affectionately, but I want to, if you'll indulge me this morning, I would love to relate a story that he tells in his book, The Kingdom of God is a Party. So I want to tell the story in his own words. So if you will, just sit back and let's take it all in together. Tony says this. Up a side street, I found a little place that was still open. I went in, took a seat on one of the stools at the counter, and waited to be served. 
This was one of those sleazy places that deserves the name Greasy Spoon. I didn't even touch the menu. I was afraid that if I opened the thing, something gruesome would crawl out. But it was the only place I could find. The guy behind the counter came over and asked me, What do you want? I said I wanted a cup of coffee and a donut. He poured the coffee, wiped his grimy hand on his smudged apron, and then he reached around with those bare hands and grabbed the donut off the shelf behind him. As I sat there munching on my donut and sipping my coffee at 3.30 in the morning, the door of the diner suddenly swung open and, and to my discomfort, in marched eight or nine provocative and boisterous prostitutes. It was a small place and they sat on either side of me. Their talk was loud and crude. I felt completely out of place and was just about to make my getaway when I overheard the woman beside me say, tomorrow's my birthday. I'm going to be 39. Her friend responded in a nasty tone. So what do you want from me? A birthday party? What do you want? You want me to get you a cake and sing happy birthday? Come on, said the woman sitting next to me. Why do you have to be so mean? I was just telling you, that's all. Why do you have to put me down? I was just telling you that it was my birthday. I don't want anything from you. I mean, why should you give me a birthday party? I've never had a birthday party in my whole life. So why should I have one now? Tony said, when I heard that, I made a decision. I sat and waited until all the women had left. And then I called over the guy behind the counter and I asked him. I said, do they come here every night? Yeah, he answered. The one right next to me. Does she come here every night? Yeah, he said. That's Agnes. Yeah, she comes here every night. Why do you want to know? Because I heard her say that tomorrow's her birthday, I told him. What do you say you and I do something about that? What do you think about us throwing a birthday party for Agnes? Right here, tomorrow night. A cute smile slowly crossed his chubby cheeks and he answered with measured delight. That's great. I like it. That's a great idea. Calling to his wife who did the cooking in the back room, he shouted, Hey, come out here. This guy's got a great idea. Tomorrow's Agnes' birthday, and this guy wants us to go in with him and throw a birthday party for her right here tomorrow night. His wife came out of the back room all bright and smiley, and she said, That's wonderful. You know, Agnes is one of those people who's just always really nice and kind, and nobody does anything nice and kind for her. Look, I told them, if it's okay with you, I'll get back here tomorrow morning about 2.30 and I'll decorate the place and I'll even get the birthday cake. No way, said Harry. That was his name. The birthday cake? That's my thing. I'll make the cake. At 2.30 the next morning, I was back in the diner. I'd picked up some crepe paper decorations at the store and made a sign out of big pieces of cardboard that said, Happy Birthday, Agnes. I decorated the diner from one end to the other. I had that diner looking good. The woman who did the cooking must have gotten the word out on the street because by 3.15, 
every prostitute in Honolulu was in that place. <laughs> it was wall-to-wall prostitutes and me. At 3.30 on the dot, the door of the diner swung open, and in came Agnes and her friend. I had everybody ready, and when they came in, we all screamed, Happy Birthday! Never have I seen a person so flabbergasted, so stunned, so shaken. Her mouth fell open. Her legs seemed to buckle a bit. Her friend grabbed her arm and steadied her. And as she led her to sit on one of the stools along the counter, we all sang, Happy Birthday to Agnes. As we came to the end of our singing with, Happy Birthday, dear Agnes. Happy birthday to you. Her eyes moistened. And then when the birthday cake with all the candles on it was carried out, she lost it and just openly cried. Harry grumbled, muffly, he mumbled something. Blow out the candles, Agnes. Come on, blow out the candles. If you don't blow out the candles, I'm going to have to blow out the candles. And after a few endless seconds, he did blow out the candles. And then he handed her a knife and told her, Cut the cake, Agnes. We all want some cake. Agnes looked down at the cake. And then without taking her eyes off it, she slowly and softly said, Look, Harry, is it all right with you if I... I mean, is it okay if I kind of... What I want to ask you is, is it okay if I keep the cake for a little while? I mean, is it all right if we don't eat it right away? Harry shrugged and answered. Sure, it's okay, Agnes. If you want to keep the cake, you keep the cake. Take it home if you want to. Can I? She asked. And then looking at me, she said, I live just down the street a couple of doors. I want to take the cake home, okay? I'll be all right, I promise. She got off the stool, picked up the cake, and carrying it like it was the Holy Grail, she walked slowly toward the door, and we all just sat there, motionless, as she left. When the door closed, there was a stunned silence in the place. Not knowing what else to do, I broke the silence by saying, What do you say we pray? <laughs> Looking back on it now, it seems a little more than strange that a sociologist preacher would be leading a prayer meeting with a bunch of prostitutes in a diner in Honolulu at 3.30 in the morning. But then again, it just felt like the right thing to do. I prayed for Agnes. I prayed that her life would be good and that God would be good to her. When I finished, Harry leaned over the counter and with a trace of hostility in his voice, he said, Hey, you never told me you were a preacher. What kind of church do you belong to? In one of those moments when just the right words came, I answered, I belong to a church that throws birthday parties for whores at 3.30 in the morning. <laughs> Harry waited a moment 
And then he sneered as he said, no, you don't. There's no church like that. If there was, I'd join a church like that. Wouldn't we all, Tony said. Wouldn't we all like to join a church that throws birthday parties for whores at 3.30 in the morning? B-U-C-C. The truth is, that's just the kind of church Jesus had in mind. That's the kind of church that Jesus came to create. And that's the kind of church that I want us to be. When we're forced to choose between what the prevailing religion of our society says is acceptable, especially when that religion chooses to protect power over people and weapons over humans and exercises judgment over compassion. I hope with everything in me that we will always choose the right thing, society and religion be damned. Ultimately, when Jesus was forced to make a choice between the politically connected, self-righteous, religious gatekeepers or the powerless, marginalized, abused victims of religion who don't have the king, the queen, the president, Caesar or Herod on speed dial. He always chose without exception the one who suffered at the hands of religion and power instead of the arrogant and the powerful. Every single time Jesus chooses the victims, every single time He wraps His arms around those who are casualties of religion. And just like the Scripture story that we read earlier, at the end of the abuse, when the pious have been forced to examine their own hearts, and if they're honest, and sometimes they're not honest until they're called out, and I'll refer you back to the recent report some of the horrible and tragic abuses that have been discovered in our largest predominant Protestant denomination in our country. But at the end of the accusations and at the end of the judgment and at the end of the condemnation and sentencing by religion's gatekeepers, I hope we, just like Jesus did, I hope we will take the accused by the hand and walk with them right through the middle of their oppressors. It does my heart good to know that at the end of Tony's story, Agnes finally got that birthday party. And at the end of Jesus' story, it was prostitute one, Pharisees zero. Amen. Thanks for joining us for the Bluegrass United Church of Christ podcast. We'd love to have you join us for a service sometime. We meet on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. at 500 Don Anna Drive in Lexington, Kentucky. You can find us online at bluegrasschurch.org.